Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that that uh, your your mercies are new every morning, and so, Lord, is, uh, are, are the truths that you show us from your word. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Genesis 49, verse 1. 49, verse 1. First four verses. Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. Reuben... Thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power, unstable as water. Thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed. Then defiledst thou it. He went up to my couch. Okay, so in our last study, we saw in verse one how Jacob called his sons together because he's gonna give them last words. Last words for them, last words for him. And, it, and it's remarkable to see all these sons together because really when you look at these, these, the, this group, it's a pretty unruly group. It's a pretty unbridled group of men, kind of like gathering wild mavericks together. And so in verses one and two, Jacob has to emphasize for them twice, all right, you've all come together now, now get yourself in order, assemble yourselves in, in, your, in, in the order of your birth. And, and so Jacob had told them, he said, now the reason why you're calling you together is because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to each one of you. And so this was really great for each of the sons because they got to hear not as a group, but individually. Well, they were as a group, but they, they, they got to hear individually from, from their father addressing, addressing each one as a person. And, 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 and what's kind of interesting is that the whole group got to hear what, what Jacob said to each one of them. And, and that was important because when it came to the son Judah, then each son heard how he's the one that they were all to gather around and he was going to be their leader. Now, you know, we, we, we can imagine how, how, you know, Jacob is really giving to each son 100% attention, but it's, it, it's, so, it's so great to see this. I mean, this is a lot of work for, for Jacob considering he's a dying man. As a matter of fact, when he's finished, he's going to die. And, and he had already said that I'm, I'm going to die, I die. And so he's a dying man. And so you ask yourself the question, how in the world was Jacob going to be able to do this great work of, of prophesying, foretelling what's going to happen to each of his sons? How's he going to be? So, how, where's he going to get the sufficiency to do that? And the answer is that's just the same way that you and I 
have the sufficiency to do what, what we're not able to do. I mean, it's just, when you look at Jacob here as a dying man, getting this strength and being able to do this as 12 sons, then it really emphasizes to us, it's an example to us of 2 Corinthians 3, 4. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 is interesting because it talks about a trust that we have, a confidence that we have, which is, in 2 Corinthians 3, 4, such trust have we through Christ to God word. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything uh, as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Our sufficiency is of God. Jacob's sufficiency in this case when he's dying it was of God. And this is the picture that, of Jacob. At the same time he's dying, he's being strengthened by God. He's dying and he's being strengthened by God at the same time. He has no strength. He has no strength in himself to do this. He could barely sit up in the bed. But this is the greatest speech that he makes in his life. And, it, and it's, and it's a, such an example of what the Lord Jesus said in John 15, 4. John 15, 4, the Lord Jesus said, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. And I want you to keep this in mind as we are gonna see, talk later on about a branch. But he says a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I'm the vine, ye are the branches. And he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Actually, we can do a lot without him. We can do a lot of damage and things like that. But anyway, that's not what he was meaning. So here we see Jacob as the branch. Jehovah Jesus is the vine. Without Jehovah Jesus, Jacob can do nothing. But with Jehovah Jesus, Jacob is now able to give this greatest speech of his life here as he prophesies to not just one, but to each of the 12 sons. It shows us how we shouldn't worry about what we're going to be able to do or provision. This is really provision of strength. You know, it reminds me of something that's a little active right now in mind. What happened to us, we, there was a company, and the company needed a very special test to be manufactured. And so, you know, they, they, they approached us to do that. It was actually a long time ago. It was, I don't know, over 10 years ago, maybe 15. I lost track of time. Anyways, and we didn't really do a very good job of promoting ourselves. And so the, the, actually the request came to one of our Chinese scientists. I remember this Chinese scientist because at that time we had a, like a band of three scientists, Chinese scientists. This one was named Ming. And so we had Ming, Wing, and Ping. And it wasn't always easy to get their names right. And they didn't even play ping pong, but anyway, it was Ming, Wing, and Ping. And so Ming, he really wasn't a salesperson, but he put together a little folder, you know, yeah, we can do it, sent it to him, and it was like, you know, no, 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 and they just filed it away. And they gave it to one of the, one of the top three pharmaceutical companies in the world, and they gave this special test for him to make. Well, you know, that pharmaceutical company, they really weren't into making this kind of thing, so they fell flat on their face. And it left the company just so desperate that they had to quickly find a manufacturer so that so they, they, they didn't know what to do. They looked in their files, and there was Ming's simple folder that, that he had sent to them. So they said, okay, you, you get the job. So we, great. So it, we, we started kind of slow, but really took off. It grew to a $12 million a year business. It was a big business. And then that, that, that company sold their business to a large German company, who also had manufacturing units, and then 
We didn't have the greatest relationship with that German company because when we got together with them, they said that they had found the final solution for scanner bodies. <laughs> it didn't take us long to figure out that a German company talking about a final solution was somehow not good for us. <laughs> but they promised to give us $4 million a year of business of so that manufacturing business. Well, that turned out to be not true, so it was zero business. Well, that's quite a hit, quite a huge hole that it made for us having lost you know, $12 million per year of business. But you know what was so amazing is that the same, that, that, that similar thing happened with other customers that just appeared out of the blue, and they started giving us this job and that job, and one of them involved the flu, and you know what happened with the flu this last season. And so it, it, when we looked back, we saw, well, we actually grew. We, we had more business, you know, even from the loss of that German company. Well, this is a picture here of Jehovah Jesus. Jehovah Jesus is that gave the dying Jacob the strength to make this prophecy due to his sons. That's the same Jehovah Jesus that took care of us and gave us new business to replace this German company. Now, so the lesson we see here is that when we're so weak, like Jacob was, God gives us what we need. No, then we saw how Jacob looked over his sons and he thought as he looked them all over and he was looking them over and he's kind of like, you can see him percolating in his mind what he's going to say to each one. You know, they're all different. And when he looks at them, he says, boy, you guys really are a chip off the old block. The problem is it's the old block <laughs> that you're the chip off of. And the old block was the Jacob self before he became Israel. I wish you guys were the chip off the new block, you know, which was Israel. But anyway, that was it. Because in Jacob's life, when you look over in Jacob's life, the pinnacle of his life, the pinnacle, the high point, this is high point, but the really high point is in Genesis 32. This is in Genesis 32 where Jacob has this tremendous change in his life. When the old man, the old block, Jacob, who lived his life independent from God, he was broken. And out of that brokenness emerged a new man named Israel. And Israel's the new man. And, and whereas Jacob was the man who resisted God, Jacob, Israel was the man who clung to God, saying, I will not let thee go unless thou bless me. So Jacob went from being Jacob the resistor to God to being Israel the clinger to God. So as Jacob saw his sons in his old state, he saw in his sons, ah, I see the old Jacob. I see the resistor of God. And that's why he called them in verse 2, ye sons of Jacob. He might as well have said, ye sons of he chips off the old block. But he yearned, he wanted for his sons to follow him to that place of brokenness as he was in Genesis 32, and then to follow him out of that brokenness to the place of emergence, which was the, as Israel, who was the prince with God. So that's why he went on to say, hearken unto Israel your father, Israel your father. Okay, so now Jacob, he, he's blind for all intents and purposes, he cannot get a driver's license from the DMV. <laughs> His driving days are over. So, I mean, he's blind. He's physically blind. But yet he has perfect spiritual sight. And, and, and he addresses each one of his sons with this perfect sight. And he comes first to his son, Reuben. Now, in verse 2, we can see Jacob now looking at Reuben. And as Jacob looks at Reuben, he steps back a while and he thinks back on his firstborn. And Jacob, he remembered his son. And as he thinks about it, feelings rush over him. 
when he remembers that, when he remembers when his first son was born, here he goes, ah, Reuben, 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 thou art my firstborn. This is what's happening. And so he says, thou art my firstborn. He's not just, he's not just explaining to Reuben, you were the first one to be born. <laughs> but there's so much more that he's saying when he says, thou art my firstborn. You know, with that statement, he's remembering back when Reuben was born. You know, that, that was quite a time in Jacob's life. I mean, he had gone through lots of dramas I mean, he was cheated by Laban out of seven years of hard labor. And then he was forced to marry Leah that he didn't want to marry. And then he had to work another seven years to be able to marry the only woman he ever did love, which was Rachel. What was interesting was that during those seven years, when Jacob was married to Leah, Jacob had no children. He had no children. It was only after Jacob got Rachel that God saw that Jacob was determined to continue in his hatred of Leah. And so then as a result of that, God opened up Leah's womb, which is what is told us in Genesis 29.30. Genesis 29.30, it says, he went in also unto, um, unto Rachel. And, and, and not that we should know anything about their intimate lives, but that's what it says. He went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, which means behold the son, which, or see a son. For she said, surely the Lord had looked upon my affliction, now therefore my husband will love me. So this all means that for at least seven years, seven years of marriage to Leah, Jacob had no children. That meant that there was a fear that maybe Jacob couldn't have children. Maybe he was not fertile. I mean, uh, you know, Jacob would be doomed in, to, to have a life of no children. I mean, it was a heartbreak for him. I mean, no children. You know, as each year went by, Jacob had no children. The pressure mounted. It, it reminds me when, when, when Cheryl and I, went three years or four years, I don't remember. Anyway, with no children, and Michael Johnson was my best friend, you know, Filipino, and, 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 and we would spend a lot of time, Cheryl and I would spend a lot of time at Michael's house, and it, which is a very Filipino house, and, and his mother, Tony, who remembers Tony? Anybody? Okay, if you remember Tony, yeah, Tony. Tony, whenever we'd go over there, she would say in her strong Filipino accent, she would say, no babies? No babies yet? Where are the babies? <laughs> and then we would say, can we have some of the pineapple upside down kick? But anyways, it was, it was always this. And we can imagine that, that with Jacob, it was kind of the similar, no babies? No babies? Where are the babies? And, you know, it's no joke for 20% of couples in the U.S., they, they know this pain, this secret pain of wanting children and not being able to have them. And infertility is really defined in the U.S. as, ha as trying for uh, over two years with no success. Well, this was not just two years for Jacob. This was over seven years. And you, so, you know, that's the backdrop through which, uh, uh, on which Reuben was born. And it was like, it's a son. <laughs> it's a son. See, Reuben, see a son. And behold, the son was a son. And so that's the name that they gave him. 
see a son. And, well, that name, like you can imagine how, you know, after, after more than seven years, it was, you know, see a son, behold a son. So, you know, we're, we're sure that, 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 that Reuben didn't have any psychological problems of lack of self-esteem, you know, because, because J- Jacob loved Reuben. And as Jacob looked at Reuben, all these feelings rushes back as he thinks to himself, Reuben, Reuben, there was a time when I was so happy with you. And I said, here is my long-awaited son, the son that's going to walk in my footsteps, the son that's going to make me to go live on. I'll live on through him after I die. Reuben, my very own, see a son, behold a son. That's it. So he looks at Reuben, he's flooded with these uh, emotions of this long-awaited dream. Reuben represents this vision, this hope for Jacob, you know. And, and Reuben, Reuben was the birth, really, of Jacob's vision for the future. And the vision was going to be of strength and of might. So he calls him in verse 3, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might. You know, I mean, you know, Jacob could have sang the Bill Gaither song, you know, how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he brings, he gives. Well, that, that's, that's Jacob here with Reuben. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like it, there's been a birth of a vision, maybe not a baby birth of a vision, something you hoped for, something you had a great expectation for, something that just represented great prospect for the future, well, this is Jacob, you know, with the birth of Reuben. It's really something. Now, you know, of course, it's really something when there's a birth in the Jewish family. I mean, Israel is a country that celebrates children. You know, it's all, uh, you know, uh, it's a mazel tov, your family is growing. <laughs> right? Okay. Then Jacob, he, he, he goes on and he, he keeps reminiscing. Uh, Jacob does about Reuben in verse three. He says, ah, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Now, in the English, these are some pretty strong superlatives. I mean, it's really not easy for us to get our arms around what does this mean, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Sounds nice. It sounds like something that the queen should have for her motto or something like that. But, But what does it really mean? Okay, so here it's better for us to see what the Hebrew actually reads. Because literally, this word excellency, which is used twice, I mean, the Hebrew word is used twice, twice in English. Anyway, it's the Hebrew word yeter, yeter. Now, yeter is an interesting word because it is, it, it refers to like, the. It, it means the overhanging, like the overhanging of a huge branch of a tree. I mean, you all seen this, you know, you, it's what Jacob's doing here by using this word. He's painting a picture for us, like you're walking along in a forest and you look up and you see this great massive branch that's just coming off the tree and it extends way out. You know, pine trees do this. And, and, and this is what Re- Jacob is saying Reuben is here. You know, the branch extends the majesty of the tree. And that's what's translated the excellency of dignity. It's this majesty of this great overhanging branch of the tree that where Jacob sees himself as the tree and Reuben is this massive overhanging branch that's extending beyond the tree. That's what he's saying. And then Reuben says, you know, the excellency of power. Again, the word yeter, again, 
And again, the picture is painted of the great, massive tree. Well, it's not only the, the majesty of the tree, that's the excellency of dignity, but now it's power. You know, because you look up there and you say, Where, what power is in that branch? It's such a huge branch. It's extending so far off. There's great power in that, in that, that, that branch. So this is what Jacob is saying about Reuben. He say, Reuben is a powerful, great, majestic, strong, overhanging branch from the tree. And Jacob is the tree. Yeah, okay. Now, notice in verse 3 how Jacob uses the word beginning. The beginning of my strength. Now, you know, with all these terms, you just feel the swell of pride and joy that he's got in, in that Jacob's got in Reuben. And we can see Re- Jacob with Reuben, and that's why he's like, behold a son. And so he's holding the baby. He's visualizing, you know, you're going to be a strong little guy and so forth. And, and, and then we can see him as he, as he becomes a toddler and he spends time with, with him, you know, with Reuben training him. It reminds me, one time I saw Ken Taylor with his son Aaron. And Aaron was just a little boy at the time. And they were down the street at the hamburger place. And, 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 and Ken had ordered French fries, and he was really focused on Aaron, you know. And he gets these French fries. When I was watching him, he got these French fries. And, and you know, most people put ketchup on the French fries. No, no, not Ken. He puts mustard on the French fries. <laughs> and then he says to Aaron, now, Aaron, this is what you do with French fries. <laughs> he tells him he's, anyways, that has not very much to do with anything. But, okay, so then we see Jacob. He's spending time with Reuben as a young boy. Now, everything looks so good. Everything's going along smoothly for Reuben. Jacob is very happy with Reuben. Reuben is doing really well. Then as a little boy, a crack develops. A crack develops that, 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 that's going to keep growing and growing, and it's basically going to become his downfall. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, 
meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 